You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Aloha. Um, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it's so great to be with you today. Um, if you're visiting for the first time, we just want to welcome you. We're humbled that you would take your Sunday morning to be worshiping Jesus with us. And uh, uh, the last few Sundays, we've been able to hear from, from different guys in the house. Uh, we've had um, Pastor Dave Corson a couple weeks ago share a great message on what Jesus has done through the missions work that he's done in Nepal. And of course, a great message from Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, talking about us really um, doing life in the spirit, speaking of the floating axe head. And um, then, of course, last week, Pastor Toby shared a great message. If you weren't here, make sure you go back and listen to that podcast. It was on temptation. Super good message. Like, I, my wife and I were even talking uh, after church that Sunday. Like, man, that was just perfect for us. It's a message we needed to hear. I mean, Toby can preach. He's got the good. So thankful for him who uh, came and shared last week. And, but I'm glad to be back with you. There's no other thing I'd rather be doing than, than being with you guys on a sunny morning. But it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who's up here. You know that, right? Like, as long as this is being opened, as long as we're coming before the feet of Jesus and looking at his word and seeing what God would speak to us through his word, doesn't matter who's up here at the end of the day, but, but that we would seek God's face through his word, have our minds renewed and changed and transformed. And so really, uh, that, that's what we're about here. We're, we're just a church that loves Jesus. We're a church that loves his word. And so if you're new here, this is what we do. We just study through different books of the Bible. And so... Um, you know, we, that's what we traditionally do. And so uh, we finished not too long ago the book of Malachi, and uh, we're excited. We've, in this short three years of this church plant, we've gone through eight books of the Bible. And beginning next week, we're going to be going through uh, uh, the, our ninth book of the Bible. We're going to be making our way through First John. So we're really excited about going through the book of First John. And so I'd encourage you guys to, to go read ahead saturate your minds, your hearts, your thoughts, be in the word, be taking in all of the wonderful truths that 1 John would have for us. And I believe that, that God is going to teach us great truths as we make our way through that book. And for now, though, why don't you turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. If you guys would make your way, Jeremiah 29. And while you're making your way to Jeremiah 29, also put a bookmark in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, but we will be spending most of our time in Jeremiah 29. And while you're making your way there, um, we are excited. I wanted to share with you guys just one more announcement before we make our way through. And that is we're starting up community groups again for the fall, and we encourage every single one of you really to be in a group. We have uh, 11 groups slotted for you to be in one. So if you have an excuse of why you're not in community, and we have an 11 of them, not, we're not going to buy it, just so you know. Like, there's 11 groups you can get dialed in with, uh, from ranging from South Kona all the way up here in Kona Town. So we want to encourage you to be in a group. And, and the reason why that's so important is because we honestly believe that when we're saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus, not only has he plucked us and redeemed us out of hell, but he has saved us into a family. He has saved us into a community. And so to be a Christian, to be in community, it's not really something that we do, but it's, it's who we are, that we've been saved into the image of God. We've been redeemed. That image has been restored with God. And part of that image is dwelling in community with one another, to be known, to be discipled, to be in the word. And so uh, among our 11 groups, we just encourage you guys to, to get involved. It's, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be always fun. There's, there's always an excuse, always an excuse to not be in community. However, 
It's what we've been called to do. And so we look forward to having you guys join us in a community group. I know my wife and I were blessed by uh, being in one. And so you have the opportunity at the end of this worship gathering to go head out to the Connect table. On your way out from the Connect table, grab a Connect card and uh, just fill out that Connect card. And we have different days that, that you can write down where you're available. And what we're going to try to do is get you plugged in with an appropriate group for what day works best for you. And so, um, again, we hope all of you uh, visit the Connect table on the, your way out at some point at the end of the worship gathering to sign up for community groups if you have not done so. Well, we're in the Word. It's great to be in the Word with you guys. We're in Jeremiah 29. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 is where we're going to pick it up. This is the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city. I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed from ba for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. that you have a future and a hope for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that even now as we have opened our Bibles and are leaning into what you would speak to us through your word, God, I, I just ask that you would dwell in this place, that you would make yourself known to us, that we would lift high your son, Jesus, and that as we lift Jesus high, you would draw men unto yourself. It's not about what we think. It's not about how we feel. It's about you. And it's about what you would speak to us in your word. With all the distractions, with all the, the things that we carry in this life that can draw our affection away from you, God, would you meet us where we're at? For we declare this morning, we, we all need you. None of us have this life so figured out, so dialed that we are perfect in that, that we don't need to be changed. So Lord Jesus, help us, God. Redeem us, forgive us. Lord Jesus, help me to be faithful to, to your scriptures. And even as we're gonna be challenged and, and, and brought into full light of what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of you. I pray that we would set aside our own comforts, our own understandings, to be the church that you've called us to be. So Lord, thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Not too long ago, I was, I was reading uh, about how movie theaters are going to begin to check bags before you enter into the actual theater itself. So after you spend $300 for two tickets, you then 
will go stand in line and they're going to check your bags. And of course, the reason they're doing that is because of the tragic shootings that have recently taken place in movie theaters. But part of the implications of that, like the outworkings of that, I've been kind of thinking through, the days of sneaking in candy are officially over. (laughs) Think about that. Like, what gummy bears? What? Like, you're like trying to shove them around. Like, they're going to be pat you down like TSA checkpoint when you walk in. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but the days of sneaking in incognito, not really being noticed into the movie theater are over. Every person who will sit their butts in those seats to watch the movie will be checked. It's, it's, and I, I don't know if that's going to happen here, but, but certain movie theaters, certain companies will be or are going to be doing this. Now, we will never do something like this, nor am I suggesting that we we should. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what if, before every person came into church this morning, we checked them at the door? Not seeing if they had candy or what things they were trying to stash, but we asked them a question. When was the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time you sat down, talked story with someone, and shared a meal with with a non-believer? When was the last time you invited someone to church? What if the days of being an incognito Christian, slipping in, slipping out, being quiet in our workplace, not really getting out there, sharing out, what if those days were over? What if we declared the things of God where God had had called us? What if, again, I'm not saying we would do this, but, but I want this thought to provoke in us a godly understanding of what you and what I have been called to do. No one is immune to forgetting the mission that God has called us. I mean, I'm not even going to do it because if I asked for a show of hands, every Christian in here would raise their hands. Have you ever been distracted? Have you ever lost your focus? Have you ever got so caught up in the things of this world that you forgot why you were placed on this earth? Why God created you? Why God has given you breath? Why you exist? No one is immune to forgetting the mission that God has called us on. Dr. Tom Rayner released a a pretty shocking statistic in his book. The book is called The Unchurched Next Door. And he said 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they are invited. 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend church if they are invited. But, he goes on to share, only 2% of church members extend an invitation. Now, I don't think that's entirely true about Shorebreak. In fact, that's why we've seen the growth that we have. One person comes because they were invited and then that person invites someone else. And that's really grown organically. That's the growth that we, we've seen here. One person inviting someone else, inviting someone, someone else. And so I'm not saying this is true for all, but according to the st- statistic that overall, by and large, the church, only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. Again, I said, like, this might not be true for everyone. Some of you probably went to Starbucks, should have repented. We have the coffee lounge. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Probably invited the barista, like, you should just walk off the shift right now and come to church with me, right? But so some of you, this is true. For some of you, this is in no way true. But for different reasons, a lot of us don't know what it looks like to love God all while loving our neighbor. We've lost our mission. We've lost our focus. We've forgot what's really important, what we've been called to. And so some of us have this angst in our soul because we see, God, you've, you've called me to go out and make disciples, but, but I feel this way and I feel inadequate and I, I don't know if I can really get the word out. 
I think the church, by and large, has lost its way as sojourners. We've lost our mission, many of us. And so we read here what we've just read and seen in Jeremiah 29 is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. God is speaking to a people who need to be reinvigorated, people who need to be given the vision and the mission of once again of what God has called them to. They are sojourners passing through. And so really what we see here in these verses is God's people living for God's mission. And there's confusion with the people of God. These exiles don't know how to live. How do we live? How should we do life? How do we be in a culture, be among a people who believe differently, think differently, and act differently than, than we do? How do we engage? What does it look like, look like to live among them? How do we navigate through the madness of this culture, of our culture today? See, Jeremiah is a voice from the Lord showing Israel what God would have for them. Because Israel, as we've just read in Jeremiah 29, they're in captivity. Thanks to the Babylonians, they are exiles. And Babylon, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful yet ugly, brutal place to live. You think we have it bad today? Those in Babylon had it much worse than, than we do. So these verses are God's instruction for how they should live in this new culture, how they should live in this new land, how they should live with this new language and new, entirely new belief system. How do they and how do we live among a people who believe and act differently than we do. See, the Babylonians took Israel captive so that they would adapt and that they would conform to their religion. Uh, we, we have you now, you're ours, no longer are you in Jerusalem, you're in Babylon, do what we do, say as we say, live as we live, believe as we believe. We want you to love Babylon and we want you to conform to all that we hold dear and near to our hearts. We want you to worship the gods that we worship. We want you to live the way that we live. The Babylonians wanted them to love Babylon and believe their religion. But in Jeremiah 28, wish we had time to really unpack that even more. But in Jeremiah 28, Hananiah is a false prophet and he would say otherwise. Now the thing about false prophets is what they do is false prophets come up and say, hey, thus saith the Lord. It sounds right. It looks right. It maybe even will make sense. But for this false prophet, many people were beginning to believe what they said. So and what Hananiah was saying is he wanted them to hate Babylon and keep worshiping God. Don't love Babylon, Hananiah would say. Hate Babylon, hate the culture, hate, the, hate Babylon and cling to and protect God. what you worship, your God, the true and living God. Because according to Hananiah, if Israel is going to stay true, They should not be in Babylon unless they risk losing their spiritual identity as God's children. So here's what's happening now. Babylon is saying, love Babylon and conform. Lo love Babylon and believe all that we believe. And Hananiah, the false prophet, is saying, Hate Babylon, shield and protect your faith. But what does God say? What is God's word to them? What is God's truth in the midst of this all? What would God have to say through the prophet Jeremiah? Verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem, there it is, to Babylon, build houses and live in them. 
plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Okay, so here it is. Babylon says, love Babylon, conform to our religion. False prophet Hananiah says, hate Babylon, shield and guard and protect your faith. What does God say? Love Babylon and keep the faith. Love Babylon and believe in me. Love Babylon and follow me. Love Babylon and serve me as a true God. He tells the exiles, honestly, what is shocking to many religious people then. Again, Hananiah's message was, was, was actually the opposite of what God would say. So God has to speak into the midst of the situation and religious people often, they, they don't, this is a shock to their system because sadly, many Christians have lost sight of God's mission for their life. They have. They have forgotten altogether or they have believed the lie of the false prophets just like Hananiah. That I need to hate this culture and I need to keep and protect my faith. That I need to live lives inwardly and, and, and guard and shield and, and protect. And, and now, listen, I, I believe that the day of Jesus' return is nearer than it ever has been. I do believe we are at the end of the age. I believe Jesus is coming again to judge the living and the dead. However, I am not going to get caught up in the fear-mongering of people who are saying the apocalypse is near and I need to hedge up my fund with gold and I need to get ammunition and build up my stockpile and head for the hills. Just I'm, I, I don't buy into that because that is not what I see here. While I believe the end is near, I also believe that we are not to hate this culture, protect our faith and guard, because this is really what the opposite that God would have for us. And to the religious person, you need to hear me, the religious person, the people of Israel, when they would hear Hananiah's message, it sounded, it made sense. That's right, let's shield, let's protect, let's not go into uh, Babylon, the, the city walls of Babylon, because, look at verse eight. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets, your diviners who are among you, deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name, I did not send them, declares the Lord. No doubt we are at the end of the age, but the danger when people throw dates out and try to predict apocalyptic events is that when our culture goes down in flames, we run away from it. When we should actually be running to it. Like, like, when I look through the pages of this Bible, yes and amen, we look up for our redemption is drawing near, but I also don't see God's people to be running from the world to protect and to guard our faith, but if anything, running to it. I want you to keep a bookmark in Jeremiah, and like I said, make, make your way right now or scroll on your mobile device, your screen, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Okay, so here, the, the 11 disciples were instructed by Jesus to, to go down to Galilee and, and wait for Jesus there on the mount. And, and think about this. They saw Christ crucified. Like, they saw him die. T tomb rolled away. Three days later, he's risen from the dead. They're there in Galilee at the mountain, kind of like what was happening today as we're worshiping songs to the Lord. This is just a dress rehearsal. They were there. They're worshiping Jesus. You'd probably worship him too if you saw him crucified and then rise on the third day. He's there with them. He's about to ascend into heaven. They're worshiping them. And then what shocks me is you read in, the, in Matthew 28, some doubted. 
Are you, are you kidding? Like, think about that. They saw Jesus perform miracles, saw him crucified, raised from the dead, and some doubted, right? Like, are you kidding me? Some of us are like, oh, if they only saw Jesus. No? No, I mean, some people, some doubted, but... But this is what we read in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Contrary to what the false prophets say and what many people will tell us today, we need to flee, we need to run, we need to preserve ourselves, we need to protect Jesus, our God who rose from the dead, who has all authority. Jesus says, go. Go, get up, go is a verb. It means to get up, get out, declare the gospel, get Jesus's message out there, share that Jesus is alive, that he forgives people of sins, that all who would come to him, he would not turn away. He is calling us to go, but instead of going, you know what many of us do? We don't go, we, we run away. In fact, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were at a friend's pool, and we're, t- we're just talking story with this guy, and he's talking with this guy, and, you know, he's flown, not grown here. Neither am I. I repent. I know. I'm sorry. I wish I was born here, but, you know, God's sovereign. I, I can't control that stuff, but, um, you know, we were talking about the reasons why we moved here or whatever, and so he was explaining to us why he, he, he moved here, and, and so, and then he asked me a really interesting question. He said, what did you run from? And I was like, the law? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I did, actually, just to get a, an answer. But I was like, no, you know. Um, and I thought about his, that, and I, and I told him, I, we didn't come here to run from. We came here to run towards. The reason why I picked up my family, we were comfortable. We, we, we had a good, we were collecting a paycheck. We didn't have to, well, we had to because God was calling us, but, and the other families that came along, we, we had to come here to plant this church. We had to, the Bonners as well were on board. We, we, we couldn't just stay. We had to go because God isn't calling us from something. He's calling us towards something. And when God gives the command to go, we as Christians should not stop and shelter and protect and hate this world, but we should love this world, love the last people in this world and go get up get the message out there i mean it's interesting what, what we read here what, what amazes me first is that that god wants to use us to make disciples like he wants to use you as inadequate as maybe you're like i'm a brand new believer and i don't really understand just tell someone follow me and let's work through the bible together and the things that we don't know we'll pray about and we'll ask about and we'll grow in together We don't have to have all the answers, but we need to be in this together. And listen, it's going to be hard. It is going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. But it wasn't going to be easier for Israel either. See, Israel is being called by God to move into Babylon. Right now, up to this point, they've been living on the fringes of the city, refusing to go in, taking the words from the false prophets. And God says, no, you go in the city. Live with the people. Dwell among the people. And he is the one who sends us. You guys, think about this. It's why Jesus said, guys, all authority, Matthew 20, all authority, all the authority that, that is in heaven and all the authority that exists on earth, Jesus said, has been given to me. I'm not going to argue with the guy who died and rose again, right? How many people can be crucified, died, buried, third day, rise again? No one except 
Jesus. Jesus is God. I'm going to take his word for it. And so Jesus, with all authority, says, after his statement, after this incredible statement when Jesus says, all authority, he's speaking to his disciples, all authority has been given to me. Whatever he says right after that, we better heed, right? I mean, if Jesus said, all authority has been given to me because I'm God and I rose from the dead, go eat a hundred musubis today, guess what you better do? Right? So what does he say? Hey, hey, Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, all authority has been given to me. Go. Go. You know, if you've had an overbearing parent, you know, when they, when they do something, I mean, even if they're not overbearing, just a parent, when they say you'd better, you'd do so, you better do it, when the police officer has lights flashing behind you, he's got some authority, right? What if you just, what if your boss told you, hey, I need you to do this project. It's going to help our company stay in business. It's, and what if you're like, no. Like, here, here's the door. But when God, the God of this universe, Jesus, who has been given all authority on heaven and on earth, tells us to go, we better go, right? I don't want you and me to be standing before our, we will be standing before a holy God and he said, did you go and make disciples? What if we had no disciples to show for? I'm not saying this to convict you, but to charge you up, to fire you up, to get out there, to go, to make disciples. He commit, He has the authority. He, he told us, it. I mean, Jesus could have said anything there. All authority has been given to me on heaven, but he said, go, make disciples. Again, it's just not fleeing from the world when it goes down in flames, but as God's people running to it because we love and we care for and we're broken over lost people. Going back to Jeremiah 29, through Jeremiah, the true message from God was not to retreat and to protect, but know this, for God's people, it was to engage and display their faith in Babylon. So let me ask you, what's your Babylon? What is your Babylon? Maybe it's your family and your extended ohana. Maybe it's your workplace. You maybe could agree. You feel like an exile at your workplace, right? I feel. Maybe your Babylon is Kona or Waimea or Captain Cook or Hilo or, I mean, it's this island. What, what is your Babylon? Go to your, ba go. Go. God tells exiled Israel Babylon might have taken you captive, but don't blame your captivity on Babylon. Look at verse four again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, here it is, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. God sent them into exile and he used the hands and the swords, and the weapons, and the city of Babylon to accomplish his sovereign plan and will. And God would say to us, where I have sent you, where you dwell, and where you do life is your mission field. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. Yes, missionaries get on planes and fly to remote places of the world and share the gospel, and we need them. But yes, 
Every Christian is a missionary. You are a missionary in your neighborhood. You're a missionary at your workplace. God has called you for such a time as this to go and to share the gospel. There are people that you will encounter that you will be able to share the gospel with who will never step foot into this place apart from the grace of God working on them. A lot of times we think the work of the ministry is, well, the pastor is called the disciple, the pastor is called to, to preach and declare the gospel, but really what happens on a Sunday morning is this is the training up of God's disciples so that we would be sent out into our communities, sent out into our neighborhoods, be sent out around this island and wherever else God would have us so that we would go and make disciples. So God says, hey, 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 I want you to love Babylon, but don't conform love but don't don't conform to it don't just take from the city but give and if you think this is radical look, look how it, look how look at the heart of god in verse 7 seek the welfare of the city where i have sent you into exile Seek the welfare, seek the shalom, the peace, the, the welfare, the well-being of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your, your welfare. So do you, see, do you see the big picture now? Okay, let's step back from the canvas, get everything Babylon says, love Babylon Conform to our beliefs. False prophet says, hate Babylon. Don't go there. Protect your faith. But God says, love Babylon and keep the faith. To seek the welfare of this city. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That, that, that God's children will be actively engaged in in. in in this, the, the Chamber of Commerce, in the, the different outreaches that are taking place, in the, the special needs within the community, that God's people would be engaged and trying to take care of their boss and, and, and trying to take care of their employees and trying to get to know their neighbors and have the, we'd be seeking and engaging the welfare of our island. This is what God has called us to do. And I love what we're told here in verse seven, pray to the Lord on its behalf repenting of the sins of this island to the Lord, asking that God would redeem this island. In fact, we, uh, every second and fourth Tuesday of every month, we have a prayer meeting here at the church. You're invited, by the way. Love for you to join us. Um, and it's, it lasts about an hour from five o'clock to six o'clock, every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. And, and part of what we do is we, we pray on behalf of this island, that God would move and that God would transform and that God would change this place for his glory. God says, seek the welfare of the city. Love on the city. Build houses. You're going to be here for a while, Israel. Build houses. Marry your sons and daughters. One of my favorite things God tells them, eat. Love it. Eat. 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 all while keeping the faith and not conforming to their religion so that they would not, again, end of verse 7, decrease but multiply. Now, God's mission is for God's people, hear me on this, is that we would display our faith by seeking the welfare of our city. Let me say that again. Christian, please hear this. God's mission for God's people is that you would seek to display your faith for the welfare of our island. For the welfare of our neighborhoods, for the welfare of our coworkers, for the welfare of our Babylon. With our words, with our deeds, we should be a blessing to our neighbor. That people would see our good works and that in seeing all the good works that they do, that they would glorify our Father who is in heaven. Listen, it, was it not Jesus who said when he was questioned by the Pharisees and the religious men, what are the greatest commandments? After giving the, the first greatest commandment, what was the second commandment? To love your neighbor. 
Now, some of you, that's, that's going to be hard, right? Friday nights, man, you've got to shut your windows because the neighbor's a little crazy. Love them. If you're that neighbor, love your neighbor and be quiet, all right? No, just... <laughs> Seek the welfare of, of, of our... I mean, we should love Kona more than anyone else. We should care and love for this island more than anyone, which, which means, guys, we, we open up our homes, and not just to people we know, but you know that the biblical definition of hospitality is having people over you that aren't Christians and that you don't know. Not just with people who are like-minded, but people who don't even believe what we believe, people who don't really know Jesus. I mean, there have been times in our family when we've had people over, we literally, we, we've never met them before through connections, or we've had people over at our house. We're like, this is going to be interesting. We've never even met these people before, and we're having them over for dinner. We've, guys, we've had criminals in our home. Now, of course, I'm not going to let someone, like, you know, go and play with the kids upstairs, and obviously, we're, we're wise about who we have over, but guys, we've had people who've served time in fact, just a couple weeks ago, we're, we're working on our neighbors, man. We're trying to show them the love of Jesus. They, they, they believe in a different religion. And so we're, we're actively, but this is what it means. To, you have to use wisdom and discernment, especially on the criminal thing. Don't get me wrong. We're not like, oh, it's just crazy. You know, I talked to my wife about it. And, but, but this is what it means. To, I mean, Jesus was accused of hanging out and having dinner with sinners and tax collectors. Could we be accused of the same thing? I hope so not conforming, but loving. It's loving people, man. Getting out that gospel. Sharing Jesus with people. Listen, I know this is radical. I know for many this is scary. We are fearful of rejection, but are we going to lose our spiritual identity if we love Babylon? Yeah, like, now, you might be thinking, okay, well, what about the love of this world and stuff? That's First John. We'll get there, okay? We'll have half a year to make our way through First John and talk about that. But for now, yeah, love Babylon. And hold tight, hold fast to Jesus. All right, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, wait, what? When 70 years are completed for Babylon? These people who God is speaking to will die in Babylon. They're not going to make it back to Jerusalem. In fact, that's why God tells them you need to multiply. You not to need to decrease, but you're, you need to build homes and grow gardens and eat of your produce and and. Have kids and, and marry your children because and train them up in the ways that I have commanded you because I am going to bring your children back into Jerusalem. This doesn't mean God is done with them. Look at, look at verse 10 again. I will visit you. After 70 years, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Sounds great. All right, God, you said you're going to do this. How can we know this to be true? How can the exiles know that God is going to keep his promise to them? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I have no doubt when Israel heard those words from God, tears of joy streamed from their face. Great promise for Israel, right? What about us? In Jesus, though we are exiles, sojourners passing through, 
in Christ Jesus through his shed blood for your sins and for my sins. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So this is for you. I don't know where you're at this morning, but did you know that God has plans for you? God has good plans for you. His plans have a future that can be filled with hope for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we trust him, we can know that our future is filled with hope because the one who knows our future, the one who has authored our future is no other than God. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He wrote the storyline of history. He knows what is going to happen in our life and through our life and he holds all things together. So he says to you, I know the plans that I have for you. They're not evil plans. They're good. To give you a future and a hope. Hey, after all, wasn't it Jesus who told the disciples to go? What was the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven? Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, thank you that you are with us. Jesus, thank you that you've never left our side. God, thank you that you see the past, the present, and the future, and that you were sovereign over all things and that you have plans for us. Your plans for us are not evil. And you are such a good God. You are so in charge, so sovereign, so powerful that you can take and make all things work together for the good for those who are called according to your purpose. And so would you work out your purposes in and through our lives, God? May we be a church that would not lose heart, but that we would go and make disciples loving Babylon and loving you all the more, seeking the welfare of our neighbors, seeking the welfare of our coworkers, seeking the welfare of our family, seeking the welfare of this island that you've called us to, God. We have our mission field. May you, through the power of your spirit, not because I said so, but because all authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus, has been given to you. With your authority, through the power of the spirit, may we get up and may we go. May we not fear rejection any longer. Even for me, God, may we just be bold and, 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 and not obnoxious either, but just loving and, and compassionate toward those who do not know you, God. And as we go, God, we may feel like we're going alone. We may feel like we're left on our own when we share our faith. But you promise us that you will be with us always, and that is in context of sharing the gospel, even to the end of the age. As we're taking this time to pray, as our heads are bowed and, and our eyes are closed, hey, listen, if you did not know Jesus, but now you know Jesus, if you passed from darkness into life, you became a Christian this morning. You've surrendered your life at the feet of Jesus. You believe that he died a death that you deserve, took your punishment of sin in exchange, gave you God's goodness so that you could stand before God in heaven one day. Repent. Confess your sins and he is faithful and just to cleanse you and to forgive you of all unrighteousness. For may we, your church, God, if we've lost the burden of lost people, may we love our community. May Shorebreak, may our church be known as the most loving people the most aggressive people looking to serve the needs of this community. Showing love to this place. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had in your word. 
May the days of our lives living in secret, kind of undercover Christians, too afraid to share, may we be bold, not ashamed of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.